Hey there, toppers. It's ad time, but I'll keep it quick. Check out the Support the Podcast page on my website, turnofphrases.com, to see what offers I currently have available to you from Amazon, as they change from time to time. On that page, there are also links to get a free Audible trial and a free audiobook download, and to save 10% on a BossBox's gaming subscription. Help the podcast out by letting me help you save money. Thanks in advance, toppers. I really appreciate it. Please listen carefully. Salutations, toppers, and welcome to episode 30 of the Turn of Phrases podcast. Thank you for lending me your ears today, whether it's your first time here or you're a returning topper. Since this episode is dropping on Martin Luther King Day here in America, I decided to do a kingly theme today. Grab a seat on your thrones and sit back to enjoy today's phrases, origins, history, and more. The first phrase for today is, In the land of the blind, the one-eyed man is king. This saying means that even if someone has limited skills, they can be a leader if they can place themselves among people with even less skills. It's often attributed to Deseritus Erasmus Rotterdamus, also known as Erasmus of Rotterdam, probably because his name is kind of hard to say. He was a 16th century Dutch Renaissance humanist, a social critic, a Catholic priest, a teacher, and a theologian. However, the idea behind this saying can be traced back to the Bible, so he's not likely to have been the one to actually coin the phrase. As for it being in the Bible, we need to first look at the book of Matthew, chapter 15, verse 14, which tells us, If a blind man leads a blind man, both will fall into a pit. Another version is found in the book of Luke, chapter 6, verse 39, which says, Can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? Now that we know where it truly started, we can go back to Erasmus in the 16th century. In 1500, he published the first edition of his collection of proverbs titled Adagia. In that book, he included In the Land of the Blind, the One-Eyed Man is King, and it grew in popularity from there. This is thought to be the first use in print as far as how we use the phrase today, and this is why he's often thought to have been the creator of the saying. It had to have been a known saying before this time, so the way we use it is definitely older than his publication. Now, let's move on to the next phrase for today, cocky as the king of spades. This idiom means that someone is conceited, arrogant, or boastful. Basically, if someone is full of themselves, they can be described as being as cocky as the king of spades. But what do cards have to do with being self-loving? And why is it that we use the king of spades in this saying? There's three other kings in a deck of cards. To fully break this one down, we need to look at both playing cards and a specific king. So let's explore the spade part of the saying first. Spades are typically the highest value suit in a deck of cards, and except in some instances where the ace is seen as a higher value, the king is worth the most. But a spade has not always been a spade. Early versions of cards tended to have suits of cups, swords, coins, and batons, 
but when playing cards made their way to England around the 14th century, these suits became what we have today, the hearts, spades, diamonds, and clubs. The Spanish word for sword is espada, and the Italian version is just spada. So the sword suit became the spade suit once these words were translated. Now as for the king part, some people think that the four kings in a deck of cards are each meant to represent a real king. And for the king of spades, people think that's based on King David, the Old Testament king of Israel. David, while being a great king in many ways, was human and was therefore fallible. One of his biggest issues was arrogance, which came about, at least in part, because of his many victories in battle. God gave David these many victories, but after a while, David started to attribute his greatness more to himself than to God. Long story short, this leads David down a path that causes him to make many mistakes and to become not as cool of a king as he was before his self-worth became so great. Between King David's popularity and the lessons that can be learned from him, and the spade being such a high-value card, the idea of the king of spades being representative of someone being full of themselves was born, and it continues to this day. Now, let's look at why people say the king is dead, long live the king. This traditional saying is used modernly to basically say that something has changed but is not ending, and typically the change is for the better. It originally was used more literally, to announce that a king had died and the new king has already taken over, and the person speaking is wishing the new king a long and prosperous life. It's not used to wish the recently deceased king a long afterlife or anything like that, though some people do get confused about this due to the wording. It's basically two announcements said at the same time, which is why it can sound confusing. Also, it's not always just used for kings. In 1901, when Queen Victoria died, it was proclaimed, The Queen is dead, long live the king in reference to her son, King Edward VII, taking over upon her passing. And in 1952, when Queen Elizabeth succeeded her father, King George VI, it was announced, The King is dead, long live the Queen. When you hear the saying with two different titles, it makes more sense and sounds less like you're wishing a recently deceased person a long life. It originally came from France in 1422, when Charles VII took over after the death of his father, Charles VI. The French saying is Le Roy est mort, vive le Roy. From there, once translated, it became a popular announcement upon the change of power due to death. Now let's move on to our next saying, a cat may look at a king. Now first, let me say that I'd never heard this phrase before I started researching for this episode. That being said, once I looked into it, I fell in love with it and knew I had to use it. With that out of the way, let me tell you about it. To say that a cat may look at a king means that no matter how low your status is, you still have rights. This is yet another saying with no known origin, but we do know that it first showed up in print as a proverb in 1562, so it has to be older than that. The first guy known to write it down was our buddy John Haywood. He used it in his book, The Proverbs and Epigrams of John Haywood. He used the following version in that book, quote, What? A cat may look at a king, you know. End quote. 
This saying isn't used as much as it used to be, mainly because there are less monarchs out there than there used to be, and because people have more inalienable rights than they used to. I couldn't find much of anything else on this one, but like I said, I loved it and thought it'd be fun to include it in today's episode. So with that, it's time for today's metaphorical moment. It's just a metaphor, dude. It's a metaphor. Curious metaphor. A metaphor. That's just a metaphor. The metaphor today is a crown of thorns. This is used to say that someone is carrying a burden, or that they are struggling with something that causes them to suffer. People don't tend to say that they are wearing a crown of thorns, it's usually said about someone else, such as, she's carrying that around with her like a crown of thorns, implying that the person speaking thinks the person they're speaking about is overreacting about something. Basically, it's often used to mock someone. We'll better understand why that is once we look at the origin, which is pretty easy to track down because we know who first wore a crown of thorns. Jesus Christ. Once he was condemned to die, the soldiers who had previously been beating him twisted together some thorny vines into a circle and placed it on Jesus' head. They then kneeled in front of him and pretended he was a king, even though they didn't believe he was one. There are several references to this happening. One is in Matthew chapter 27, verses 28 through 29, which says, And they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him, and twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and put a reed in his right hand. And kneeling before him, they mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. We see this story again in Mark chapter 15, verses 17 through 18. And they clothed him in a purple cloak, and twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on him, and they began to salute him. Hail, King of the Jews. We also find a description of this event in the book of John, chapter 19, verses 2 and 3. And the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head and arrayed him in a purple robe. They came up to him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews, and struck him with their hands. We can see from these verses that the crown of thorns was used as a way to mock Jesus which is reflected in the modern-day metaphorical usage of this phrase. Since the origin coincides with the first usage in print, that's all I have for this metaphor. So let's go to the book for today's familiar quotation. Okay, toppers, I've opened the book and landed on a phrase that, once again, is a bit creepy because it talks about kings. I think the book is starting to read my mind. Okay, it's probably not because it's just a book. But anyway, the saying by Park Benjamin is from his work, The Old Sexton, and says, I'm king of the dead, and I make my throne on a monument slab of marble cold. And my scepter of rule is the spade I hold. Come they from cottage or come they from hall. Mankind are my subjects, all, all, all. Let them loiter in pleasure or toyfully spin. I gather them in, I gather them in. Okay, so <laughs> the saying for today mentions kings and spades. Yeah, I think the book really is starting to read my mind. Maybe I should get a book that can't do that. Anyway, thank you for that, Patrick. That's going to do it for today's Familiar Quotations.
Okay, toppers, that's all I've got for episode 30. Thank you for joining me again to turn some phrases. As always, I hope you enjoyed the episode and you learned something along the way. You can check out my show notes to find out all of my social media, contact, and sponsor information. Remember that you can send me topic suggestions, and if you do, just let me know if you want a shout-out or if you want to remain anonymous. If you had a good time listening today, please consider subscribing to the show or leaving a rating and review. Also, if you know someone who'd enjoy the show, please tell them about it to help spread the word. Thanks again for listening to the Turn of Phrases podcast, researched, written, hosted, and produced by me, Brisky. Until next time, toppers. May you always have a dream.